Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hello there. Hello, 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 hello. Sorry for the slight uh, delay. Um, sorry. Susan, are you there? Yeah, I'm so sorry. <laughs> yes, you should be. We delayed for you. I'm, I'm yeah. sitting. I was sitting here waiting to call at five to nine. And then yeah, I well, started doing something. You know what happens. I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. Well, here we are a little late, but uh, nevertheless, uh, what is it? It's a, it's August 10th. It is. Um, yeah. And tomorrow's mom's birthday. And yesterday was Kathy's birthday. Oh, I can't keep track. There's so many birthdays. <laughs> August is Was a bad a, month in our family, right? I don't even know. I, you know, all I've ever really remembered are the birthdays of my immediate family and my son. That's it. I don't know anymore. My friends, I can't keep it straight. And I guess other people write it down or they, they have a calendar that tells book. them. Yes. Yeah, they're reminded, and and I I I, I just. I guess my friends have learned to not be offended. Well, I think we grew up in a house where birthdays weren't all that big a deal. Yeah. No. I mean, I can remember like mother would buy my birthday being in July. Mother might buy me something in February and say, that's your birthday present. (laughs) Yeah. Stuff like that. A lot. Yeah. I remember that too. And I mean, yeah, holidays weren't gift giving was, was not, not a big thing. Was not a big thing and not connected. Well, it wasn't that we didn't give gifts or enjoy gifts. We just didn't necessarily connect them to um, events. Events. Yeah. Well, that's carried over to me. And, yeah, me um, too. I yeah. I just I I'm just not into sort of holiday giving and the, right you know, as a matter of fact yeah when commanded when it's an occasion where one is commanded you know to give something to people because it's the, i can't think of a yeah. damn thing i'd like to no. you know run into things and say oh, oh you know who that's yeah. for that's for exactly. blah blah and then i buy it exactly. and i give it to blah blah that's exactly yes what i do too so we must Having grown up in the same house, I guess it comes We have from, the same attitude toward it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and I hate Valentine's Day and stuff like that. Do you recall ever any Valentine's Day, like where dad would give mom something for Valentine's Day? No. No. And did mom get upset? No, no. I, and dad, in terms of gift giving, used to deputize me once I got old enough to get and, her something. Or something. Yeah, and he went, and and then when I was in my teens, she kept telling me to buy her negligees, and I kept saying, "No, she doesn't want them." <laughs> <laughs> you can't. He told you to go yes, get he her did. some sexy gown. Yes, he did. She, yes, he did. I said no. And I must say, I, I, our mother did wear these sexy nightgowns well into her 
well. I mean, people didn't go to bed and things like that normally, did they? Or was that part of that generation? I think it was that generation because um, they sold them everywhere and she wore them. And yeah, she did. And and I mean, like, you know, she lived in a very cold climate. She did not own a flannel, a flannel nightgown. nightgown or pajamas. Never no. has. Right. Never has. So that's odd. Now, Dad, Dad wore a flannel nightgown. Well, a flannel nightgown, he did. That's true. He wore the flannel nightgown. That's right. He did. Oh, well, okay, we should stop. No, we should, but it's infinitely preferable to everything else. Okay, go ahead. Yes, that is true. God, that is so true. Mm. So I'm just trying to get things straight since I haven't communicated with you for a few days. You are now at the family home? I am at the family home, having left our brother behind in Chicago. (laughs) Wait a minute. He's not there? I thought he was. No. He's not there. Um, Why? Excuse us for a second. Because the weather was, he's because he comes on a motorcycle. And and it was pouring all day yesterday. I came ahead. And I am hopeful. I left him with, you know, like half a halibut. I figured he'd be okay. God almighty. What an idiot. Anyway, okay. So you're there. He's not. And um, and I'll be there on, on Friday, although I really don't think I should. I mean, no, 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 no. I want, I want you to come ahead, and I want you to feel better about this because even if you're exposed in the airport, you wouldn't have time to come become contagious until you went back home. So just don't worry about it. Well, I'm not just worried about infecting mom. I, I don't want it. Oh, you, you're worried about you? No, <laughs> I am. In, no, not just mother. I am worried about mother and everybody else, but I'm worried about me and I'm worried about my son. Yeah. I know. I know. Well, just double mask. You'll be okay. Ugh. Double mask right. and you'll be okay. And Or Maybe. get an N9, you know, have N95s. And I do have N95 masks. So just, I ordered those. It makes me look like a platypus. That's fine. Oh God! I okay. Never mind. I never mind. Okay. So let's while we're on the subject, let's just talk about COVID for a second, since that is um, what we're talking about. Well, you know, it's interesting. We can talk about this event. I mean, because you reacted to this to to this uh, confirmation email that I sent out to the very few people that. I invited to a backyard picnic to honor mom's birthday. And um, and the email that I sent out it basically probably sounded like, please don't come. But if you come. <laughs> I don't think it sounded like that, but no. I, no, I, I, that's not what I meant. I felt the need to warn people. You know, to tell people that we were all vaccinated, to warn people the risks that they were facing because there were people that were coming in from, you know, out of state and flying and being in airports um, and asking them if they didn't feel well to please not come. Uh, but that said, we were looking forward to getting together. I That is sort of the standard way that I have been getting invitations for the last, say, six months. Yeah. Oh, God. I, I, yeah. 
I'm sorry. I'm having a bad day of, I, I had a friend over yesterday and you know, everything's, everybody's so down. Because we're, every, we're back right so where we started. Fucking down. It's We're even, back where we worse. started, and now it's attacking our children, and that's really scary. Yes. No, it really feels worse. So, listen, I do have some, um, uh, yeah, COVID-related stuff that I want to get out here. One, uh, the first one stems from uh, your former uh, home state of Missouri. Yeah. Um, yeah, which is, you know, it's one of the idiot states. Um, they, they write that, and I'm not surprised to hear this, that, uh, hospitals and, and clinics that do have the vaccine are getting people coming in for the vaccine or getting phone calls from people who say, I really want the vaccine, but I don't want anybody to see me. Right. They're disguising in. themselves or, or. Right. in. They're wearing disguises. They are, um, some places have uh, opened up, uh, you know, sort of, they allow private settings for people who are afraid of being seen getting a vaccination so they don't have to go into the place where everybody knows that's where they have that vaccine. And they are in states where these, you know, these fools live, that is what is going on. And and a sociologist, I guess, said, well, you know, this makes sense because they live in a certain environment, in a certain neighborhood, in uh, in in their churches, their neighborhoods, their workplaces, their all their friends. Um, there it's called a reference group in sociology. That's your, you know, your core surrounding group. And if your core surrounding group is filled with these people who, you know, demonize the vaccine, um, you would not want them to know that you were getting it because that is increasingly sort of a you know a, a, a disownable uh, a, offense apparently yes because you're not conforming to the the group uh, norms and get, getting a vac getting a vaccine is a betrayal is seen as a betrayal of the group yeah and consequently you have these terrified people right. Well, and I, you do, you do. I mean, that's been reported sort of regularly in the St. Louis press. But the, you know, the, the, the other thing is, is if you read letters contemporaneously yesterday, letter to the editor in a in St. Louis newspaper, blaming all this new, uh, um, all these new cases on immigrants coming in at the southern border. Oh yeah, right, right. Of course, it's you know, and, and not noting that the states of Missouri, Louisiana, and Florida are not contiguous to that border. <laughs> uh, well, Susan, I mean, come on. 
bringing like a little factoid like that into the equation is is, um, is I know it's it's not fair and I and I want people to start suing people I'm I'm glad that these students are suing DeSantis I want you know who's now going to uh, hit them in their pocketbooks for administrators that that do their job appropriately and try and protect the health and welfare of their student body. You know, right. he's going to make sure that like a superintendent that allows yeah, him he'll withhold his pay. He'll I, withhold their pay. But, you know, he doesn't control their pay. The school district yeah, controls that's what their I'm pay. Thinking. What kind of a, a governor? The school board, right? I, I, I'm telling a, you, as president of the school board, I signed everybody's yeah. checks. You concern the head of the school board, a governor. That's you know, right. I see him make these pronouncements and I think. What the fuck? You're not the czar. Nope. Nope. I signed those checks. I signed my with yeah. my signature on the back of the, on the on the bottom yeah. of every check. And at the beginning of every school year, I sat at my dining room table with a stack of contracts and a black pen, and I signed every single one. I mean, you know, no, not the, the governor of Missouri. Not the governor of Missouri. Yeah. yeah. Hey, ha- did you see? I texted you when you weren't. Um, uh, there, yeah, and, you know, and the text I I wrote you who, and what you got was you idiot, you hop, <laughs> you hop, and <laughs> show started. And, and I, yeah, and I swear to God, I I did not type you hop. That was again that damn their assumption, this well, algorithmic assumption that they know better than I know what I intended to say. Which well, no, crazy. and the and the, I have to tell you that I have I, that what what is bothering me more than anything is that I hit seventy and I suddenly. Am turning into a technology idiot, which I have never been. But my new iPhone is just beyond me. It keeps doing things I don't want. For example, one of the reasons that I didn't see your brilliant text, you hop, <laughs> was because yeah. my phone keeps putting itself on do not disturb mode. And then keep sending me a message that it will not ring or alert me when it is locked. And every time you put it down and ignore it, it eventually locks itself. So now my phone. Well, can't you? Surely so you I keep taking it off. Disable. Do not disturb. And somehow. Can't you disable that? Totally yes. Disable I, keep, that. I keep disabling it. And I guarantee you I'm going to go there right now and it's going to be back on. Okay. Well, Throw it out the window. I am so sick of these damn machines. I can't stand <laughs> that decide it. what I okay. want and do not allow me to unprogramming unprogram yeah. what they've yeah. decided is what I would of course want. I hate them. Okay, so listen, I'm still staying with COVID here for a while. Okay, COVID, COVID. Um, did you hear the one about uh, a, a guy in Omaha? who was uh, at the grocery store and um, he was shot, what is it, five times, multiple times with a BB gun by a guy who took exception to the fact that he was wearing a mask. 
Yes. He was wearing a mask. And he was injured, but was able to say to the guy who shot him, why would you, what, why would you do that? And he said, you're on the other team. Well, he should be very grateful that masked man wasn't carrying Kill. a glot oh. and didn't yeah, shoot well, him and kill him in absolutely in perfectly legal self-defense. Yeah, but but how? I mean, what would he be charged with? Um, uh, I mean, he's gonna get. He's obviously been charged. If you if you shoot somebody with a BB gun at close if range, if that BB gun at close range, murder? you know, goes in through an eye, hits you in the brain, you can't. That's assault with a deadly weapon. Sorry. Okay. Well, at any rate, uh, yeah. So much for I. I don't know. I feel like we're we're just coming undone. And and you know, Paul Krugman has a piece in the. New York Times today about um, how he's stunned about how undone the uh, Republicans are. He said, you know, you you think of the fact that they have always, you know, been against the idea of climate change, right? They were on the they were on the oh, it's a hoax, it's baloney, it's this that forever. Right. Right. Because that's what they do. They they say no. They prevent action always. That's what they're there for. And in so doing, they kill people. <laughs> they ensure that people die. Yep. And and now with the vaccine stuff, that's what's got got Krugman freaked that they would go so far just to kill their own people actively. Yeah. Kill their own people. Yep. And, and he says, how did this happen? And here's what, and he's so right. I mean, I don't know why I hadn't sort of totally put this together somewhere in the back of my head. I must've, he'd say America's rapid vaccination pace during the spring was wonderful. It was very good for the nation. I mean, we were, it's why Biden could say, and by July 4th, we're going to have 70% of the country vaccinated. That's how quickly we're doing this. But that's the problem. This was a political success for the Democrats. So they put their brakes on it. Yep. So absolutely, that's when it happened. Influential conservatives and governors for whom owning the liberals is is always the uppermost goal. That's when they really began throwing up the roadblocks uh, to getting their people vaccinated. So. We've known that saying that um, Trump won the election is like now a litmus test, a loyalty test that 
any Republican in good standing has got to has got to, you know, say or else, you know, try to skitter around and on the edges and not say it, but never condemn it. But now the other loyalty test is not getting vaccinated. Literally dying for Trump. And if you aren't willing to do that, then you have to put on a a false nose and a mustache and a pair of glasses and go and get a vaccine, at least in Missouri. So, and, you know, he says, and it's impossible for these guys to change course because all they care about is their own, their own electoral victory. So Ron DeSantis, if he were to admit that some of what he's done is wrong and try to, you know, well, do a 180, his political ambitions would be toast. Let's hope they're toast anyway. I mean, it's a very strange political stance to be putting your your people's children in ICUs at record numbers more than in any state. And to have a a companion policy that makes it illegal to mask in schools. Uh, You know, I, I somehow I think that that would not be good for a political future. In a statewide yeah. vote. Uh, here's some breaking news. I, th- I thank you for um, sending this. Uh, Pittsburgh Public Schools have announced that they are shifting the start date of school. They're pushing it back to September 8th. And they're doing it, I'm sure, to get more people vaccinated. But they say doing so to help bring on more bus drivers and lessen the so-called seat. Oh, it's about the buses. Lessen the so-called seat gap that exists right now. What does that mean? They don't have enough buses to allow for distancing on the buses? I don't know what that means or whether they can't serve all of the necessary places, that there aren't enough seats for the number. Uh, I don't know what it means. A seat okay, gap well, is, is unfamiliar to me. Yeah, well, I, uh, sure I would. That's, I, that's I thought that was a, a plumber's butt, but seat gap is something I don't know. Okay. Um, I, I okay. think I think it would be smart because they because people are beginning to change their minds about vaccinating their children, and they need to get anyone over twelve that can get vaccinated. Yeah. I, vaccinated. I mean, it needs to I be vaccinated. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Roger writes, I grew up Protestant and not in Pennsylvania. So I was surprised to learn that Pennsylvanians give gifts on Easter, especially Catholics. Gifts? You mean mean like Just like an Easter basket? Yeah, an Easter basket. But you mean gift gifts? I understand an Easter basket. Yeah, I mean, in my in the Catholic family I married into, Easter not gifts, but but Easter very very elaborate Easter egg hunts and candy and dying eggs and that Uh sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And he says regarding negligees, I remember Laura Petrie on the Dick Van Dyke show Uh with Lucille Ball. You see, that is what it was. Mm -hmm. We're negligees, but that was it unless it was an adult movie. Yeah, they wore negligees, but they slept in separate beds. 
in twin beds. <laughs> I have to tell you, my mom wore negligees, and they slept in the same bed. Yep. Frequently, I was in there with them. <laughs> oh, God. And then Roger has shared a dumb joke with us, I guess. I'll tell it, he says. A man walks into a talent agent's office claiming he has a talking dog. The man asks his dog, what's on top of a house? Roof, says his dog. What does sandpaper feel like? Roof. Who is the greatest baseball player of all time. Roof! The talent agent throws him out of the office when the dog asks, maybe I should have said DiMaggio? <laughs> okay, I didn't see the fire. <laughs> well, you knew that was coming. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> Thank you, Roger. We all could use a laugh. <laughs> Uh, and uh, Bree writes from Malaysia, the political angle has been raised here in Malaysia as well. That is to say, some claim that the lockdowns benefit the current prime minister. The higher the numbers, the less likely that the parliament will vote out the current prime minister. It's difficult to say, but the vaccinations are speeding up. They say that the majority of adults will be fully vaccinated by October. Wow, that's amazing. The lockdown is scheduled through December for now. Wow, they're really, I, you know, I don't know. Well, I just, um, I'm certainly not, ever. Uh, the people that I know are are walking backwards, not forwards. Uh, you know, they were had started to go to restaurants. They're not going to restaurants again. They had started, you know, because right. being vaccinated doesn't matter. And, and I think, um, I certainly know people that have had breakthrough cases by this point. And, and mm-hmm. I know too many people that have unvaccinated children in their lives. And so we're all going back to lockdown. I don't want to, I yeah. don't want to, I'm terrified for my grandchildren. And that is not an overstatement. I understand. Okay. And just, just so, um, and and well, let me say one other thing. There's a right wing talking point out there that as viruses morph, they weaken. Viruses that's can, not true. Viruses the morph. Opposite. They can just they can morph to be less. They can morph to be more. To be no, they they can morph morph into something totally different and far more deadly. So do not. They, they, they you've got to learn the difference between a right wing talking point and the truth. And a real easy way to do it is to do five minutes worth of research. Just five minutes. Look up two or three scientific articles. They're easily found, and they'll oh, tell Susan, you how stupid Susan, that is. Susan, Susan. No, but it's just, you know. To who are you telling to look up scientific articles? People who believe the right-wing talking points? Um, it's just so shocking that. to me that, that there is, there is you know, a so-called, you know, uh, I mean, remember back in the old uh, days when, when every time a television station went to get its license, the public could write yeah. in and say yeah, whether it was performing to keep the community, right. you know, strong right. and healthy. Right. We don't get to do Absolutely. that anymore. I wonder why. 
Not that it ever made any difference. Well, could have. Yeah, it did make some difference every once in a while. Oh, and that's the other thing I wanted to tell you. (laughs) Guess who, guess who's funding all of the um, voting uh, lawsuits and, and, and complaints and key is keeping these groups going. Guess where all the money's coming from? Well, it's some right-wing old uh, billionaire. Yes, Milwaukee. Milwaukee. Milwaukee, and it is the estate of the two brothers that started who owned the John, one of the breweries who started the John Birch Society. Oh, and they have they fund all of these different things that make it look like it's different groups that are doing this, and all of the money is coming out of this estate in this the 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 the, the dregs well, of the judge. I'm trying to remember what the name is that Welch? I, I, I can I think it might be here. I can look it up. But yeah, I I I was, you know, one of those things when you're stuck in the car and listening to something you don't want to hear. And I was going, "Oh." Well, you know, you you hear about these rich people who, you know, inherited wealth. And they're using – I was uh, talking maybe a month ago about some woman who inherited – what did she inherit? Oh, she's got all the money from the Gore-Tex, from Gore-Tex, the yeah. guy who invented that fabric. And she's been underwriting these um, these attempts to yeah, – by Welch. Republicans to – okay, Welch, yeah – to infiltrate – uh, democratic uh, uh, groups and to essentially be trained as spies and how to get information about what certain democratic groups or political campaigns are doing. And she's been underwriting all of that. It's another reason why inherited wealth is, you know, people who have billions of dollars, they never did a damn thing in their lives. And now they use that money. To undermine to, democracy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and then, by the way, the other co-founder was a guy by the name of Koch or, or Coke, K-O-C-H. Oh, yeah. Well, remember that name ring a bell? I suspect it does. So I just want to tell you this, and I'm sorry to tell you this, because when I saw it, I wasn't too happy. Uh, the African country of Guinea has ordered, uh, at this count, 155 people into quarantine, and it ain't COVID. It's another virus, though, and it's a deadlier virus. It's called the Marburg virus, and um, it's considered a cousin of Ebola, and it has a fatality rate of 88%. And there is no, not no vaccine, no anything for it. I'm just saying. Well, you think global warming is contributing to these uh, crazy viruses springing up and thriving? I wonder. You know, the ankle bones always connected to the damn knee bone. Uh-huh. Aaron says, "Go to your settings." Slash do not disturb and turn off the schedule setting. It's just one switch. Yeah, I've turned them all off. Thank you very much. But 
It's I was just thinking she didn't mean to do it. <laughs> oh, one more, one more vaccination thing, and then I'm done. I love this because I love the confluence of anti-vaxxing stupidity with just general stupidity. Have you heard about the anti-vaxxing group that descended upon the BBC offices in London, screaming and yelling about the BBC's promotion of uh, the vaccines? Except there was a problem. Right. <laughs> they were at the the wrong address. They went to the Four I mean, Seasons. They, <laughs> no, they went, yes, they went to a place. Well, there was a little sort of somewhere in the building. There, It's mostly upscale apartments, restaurants, and there is like a studio. They do talk shows. By, they do afternoon uh, talk show programming. Company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, they said one of the women who I guess is up in the studio said, um, who does a show called Loose Women, um, was, was saying that uh, – Geez, if they'd broken in and found us, uh, they could have joined us. We were just talking about menopause. <laughs> I just love it when they're so stupid they don't even know where to go to protest. <laughs> I mean, it was it was the same thing. It was like going to the going to the Four Seasons landscaping instead of the Four Seasons. Yeah, exactly. I mean, good God, good God, good God. And did you hear Prince right. Andrew is so hurting yeah. for cash? He had to sell his $23 million uh, palace somewhere. Oh. oh, he had to sell his palace? To well, not his palace. I think it's a, like a, a, a vacation home in Italy or something. But, yes. Uh, uh, he still has a few palaces, I'm sure. Um, yeah. Well, he's in trouble. Well, it'll take a little oh. heat off of Harry and Meghan and just... <laughs> oh, so um, uh, where did I read that uh, right now the worst air in the world? Where do you think it is? It'd be like New Delhi or Beijing. It might be Denver. It's Denver. Yeah. Your sister, she reads. <laughs> I know, and I know. I, well, I figured, yeah, and it's Salt Lake. Well, but it makes, I was actually just thinking about that this morning because, you know, it, because it's it was cloudy here this morning and it was it looked smoky and misty, uh-huh. and I was thinking, but you know, around here, that's that's you know a mile or two up, but Denver, duh, is the mile is high, high city, so it's uh-huh. sticking up in the smoke cloud, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, uh, and this is, guys, because we had some days, um, what was it, about a month ago from the smoke where it got this far uh, east. And, you know, Pittsburgh doesn't need any additional uh, particulate crap coming in. And we were in a high-risk situation for days where people were not supposed to, with, you know, health conditions like, you know, asthma, like mine, were not supposed to go out. Um, And here, the recent uh, research shows that the smoke that's pouring out of these Western fires uh, actually gets more toxic as it travels east towards us. Um, 
it undergoes, listen to it. I mean, it's just like, you know, every nightmare thing you can come up with about this climate crisis. When you think things are bad, oh, California is burning. But you think, thank God I'm not in California. Then it turns out that that smoke from those fires actually is more toxic to people in Montana and even Pennsylvania that far. Because as it blows across the country, it reacts with sunlight and other molecules and it undergoes chemical changes and it can really become increasingly toxic. And then stop and think of what it starts as. The smoke, wildfire smoke, is one of the more dangerous pollutants to start with. So if you're right there, if you're a firefighter fighting these fires, you're dealing with smoke that contains burned trees, house paint, house home insulation, tons of chemicals, and a lot of firefighters and people near these fires have ended up in emergency rooms with asthma attacks, strokes, and even heart attacks from the smoke. Also, they say these smoke particles may stunt children's uh, lungs, the growth of their lungs. And as if that wasn't enough, it can accelerate the melting of snow. And when you accelerate the melting of snow, that means you're going to have less rainfall in the future because the snow is not going to be there to evaporate into the air and create moisture. So it will form a vicious cycle of wildfire, snow melt, drier conditions, wildfire. Well, eventually, isn't there nothing left to burn? (laughs) And as you were saying, Susan, you know, everything is connected. It's always this connection that we have failed in our, you know, privileged lives to to ever note. And and so, again, if the fires aren't where you, you are, just wait. They will have an impact on you. States to the east of California that people, you know, like to go to because of the beautiful Montana, Wyoming, these glorious vistas, they're not coming. And when they do come now, they're pissed off because the smoke is so thick, you can't see the beautiful mountains. Now, I have a sister-in-law that lives in Denver, and they can't see the mountains right now, and that's usually their beautiful view. So um, one thing that um, it says here is that the public needs to change its conception of what it means to vacation outdoors or what the outdoors should look like. I'm sorry. 
So let's move on to something that's not quite as gut-wrenchingly appalling. Did you watch much of the Olympics? I, you know, I did, but I watched no, them in ways that I, I watched them in ways that I didn't used to because of smart TVs. I could just, I could just yeah. watch whatever I wanted whenever wanted. I wanted. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing was, is our, you know, our smartphones told us who won in the morning, and then you know, it, it, so any sense of like. You know, where you're right, right. Well, or, oh that's, God, that's true. And happen? then and therefore, I would just go and seek out a performance that I wanted to see instead of watching them all. So very different. But I think that sort of happens whenever the Olympics are the time that, zone. The time yeah. zone is that far off. Yeah. 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 And it's the so, Winter Olympics, uh, same thing. So here's here's I did not. There was a, a, a photo um, in. I guess it was the New York Times today on the sports section of one of the divers. Man, the divers. I mean, all these people flipping around, flying through air, just beyond belief. But this diver is a Canadian diver, a woman, and she's up on the three-meter springboard. It's her final dive. And you know what she did? She jumped feet first. You're kidding. No. I got the picture right here. I'm looking at her. She jumped feet first. Her score, zero. And the reporter who was there says this. Five years of training persisting through a pandemic, following restrictive protocols to travel to Tokyo, and she ends it like that? What could she have been feeling? I watched as she bolted out of the water, her coach trailing behind her. She dipped into a tub in the corner of the aquatic center, her back to the pool. My heart went out to her. It's never answered. I, did, did anyone see that this uh, diver, Pamela? Where, where was she in the standings? I mean, did she just well, she decided? Obviously, no, no, right. I mean, obviously she wasn't going to win anything, but that's still, why would you do that? Because she felt defeated. Because, she, because for all the reasons that that guy said. Because she'd worked for five years, she'd pushed through to get there, she'd gotten there, and then with her first two jumps, she'd already taken herself out. That's the only thing that would make sense to me. Boy. I mean, I'm I'm sure the Canadian press has, has um, you know, talked to her or something. She has to have said something. But I, I had not seen that before. It's there's some there is something heartbreaking about it. Yeah, well, you know, um, there's a, there's, there was a lot of yeah. obvious uh, human uh, uh, evidence of the toll that this takes on on these yes. y- these young people who train their whole lives to do this. Right. You know, and the and the incredible pressure that some are under. Speaking of which, um. You know, one of the refreshing things for me is seeing these Olympians who don't medal, just even those who just missed, come in, came in fourth or fifth, 
And they're still saying, it was just an incredible experience. I'm so happy to have been here with all these, you know, and then you think, wow, that, you know, that's the Olympic spirit. It's not what, you know, NBC tells us it is, which is the medal count. Yeah, how many medals? Are we the best in the Who's world? Who's got all the gold? Who's got the silver? Yada, yada, yada. Well, it turns out that that kind of pressure is felt incredibly by some of the athletes, much more than others, because of their culture. And the biggest uh, pressure on any athlete was coming from the Japanese. From Japan. Did you hear that guy apologize for not winning? That's a, he's not the only one. Uh, they were apologizing left, right, and center for getting a silver medal. They were sobbing uncontrollably for getting a silver medal. Here's a, a sport climber saying, uh, he's sobbing after it. I feel fed up with myself. I wanted to return my gratitude to my nation with my performance. Um, and, and it's how sad. Yeah. How sad. Even Naomi Osaka, you know, who got knocked out early, she was apologizing left and right. And you stop and think about Japanese culture, and I, God knows I'm not a expert. But they're apologizing all the time. It says here, when entering someone's home, a visitor literally says, sorry. (laughs) Workers going on vacation apologize to their colleagues for burdening them. Conductors express deep regret if a train is a minute late or even a few seconds early. Now, generally, these kinds of apologies are a matter of convention. But if a culture is that into, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, you can imagine they're hosting this event. The pressure on these poor Japanese athletes, I, and here's one who actually said, she's a marathon runner, and she she had won silver in 92, she'd won a bronze in Atlanta in 96, and she was accused of narcissism by the Japanese media after declaring after her bronze win in 96 that she was proud of herself. I feel so sorry for them. And they say this stems from, you know, it's this kind of thing is cultivated from childhood. And here is a, a, a social psychologist who's from Japan who's at, uh, teaches at the University of Michigan now. And uh, she says, Americans are very good at finding reasons why you are great, even if you fail. But in Japan, even if you succeed, you'll likely have to apologize. 
Boy, what a brutal so the, culture. <laughs> culture. That's a brutal culture. Um, they say that from the minute a kid starts playing any sport in Japan, they are told that they are not playing for themselves. Especially in childhood. They are told they that there are expectations from their teachers, their parents. So it is just rooted that there is not, um, you are not doing this in any way for yourself and anything less than perfection is unacceptable. That is a cruel, cruel, hurtful culture. Now, I think our culture is too easy to hand out praise. We're too far the other way. Right. <sighs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And, I, and I've been beginning to think that it accounts for the willingness of so many of us not to be able to tell the difference between a truth and a lie because we've, we started telling <laughs> kids that, you know, lies. That, that, yeah. lies, that lies. And, 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 and if they were wrong, they weren't wrong. They were creative. It could be alternate, you know, Oh, you know, no, you know, Oh, you mean tell you a kid who says two plus two is five. The response is, well, isn't that a creative answer? Yes. Not, no, it's four. You know, um, and I, I know our brother has said, and I know he's right, that the kids know this is BS. So that when a kid, a poor kid uh, at the plate who's whiffing every ball that comes at him is still being told, good job, good buddy. Good, yeah, good eye, good eye. You got it, good eye. The kid knows. And they say that there's these games for the little kids where the, the parents, refuse, there's no keeping score. The kids are keeping score in their heads. And you end up with a bunch of self-absorbed weenies or people, as Susan says, who don't trust anything an authority figure says. It's, okay. Uh, yeah. uh, what on the Olympics, um, Susan? Were you talking uh, one of the shows uh, in the past recently about seeing a squirrel do an amazing acrobatic thing? Was that wasn't you? That okay, was I'm not me. Somebody. Okay. Okay. Somebody was saying to me, "I saw a squirrel <laughs> leap like 500 feet from a you know brand." Well, they do do these. I mean, they build these incredible uh, contraptions trying to keep the squirrels out of the bird feeders. It becomes you and know the, the yeah, right, yeah, and the amazing. squirrel always wins. Yeah. Right. They always win. So. Actually, um, the oh, I was talking to you. Wait a minute, Lynn. I was. It was a couple of weeks ago. I was looking out of the window, and and I was on the second floor, and I was looking up at the tops of two trees, and was watching a squirrel leap across the open sky from one tree to the other. That's that's the conversation. There you go. Okay. Okay. So there, I did remember. I remember that. So anyway, in the science section, they say, you know, move over Simone Biles and all you other gymnasts, because 
if there was an uneven bars competition <laughs> that in any way resembled what squirrels deal with when they're going from branch to branch. I mean, the squirrels, they said, win hands down. They are amazing. And, uh, you know, biomechanic engineers, um, cognitive scientists have spent God knows how much time and, and money watching squirrels do their acrobatics and trying to figure out how the hell they do it and what decisions they're making. And one of the, it's hard, obviously, but one of the things they did find is that it's the stability and the stiffness of the launching branch, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is the most important thing to the squirrel. I was just so, going to say that. It's like sure. a springboard. It's it went back to yeah. our diving conversation because I was watching that squirrel do that. If I was trying to figure out how he picked which twig he was going yeah. to launch himself yeah. into the other tree and it doesn't matter what he lands on it does matter how, what he jumps from and i was watching him make that decision it was interesting so here's what the biomechanical expert says and how he knows this i don't know he says they care more about a stable takeoff position about six times more now how would he know that about six times more uh, then how far they have to jump. And while they were doing all this research, they never saw a squirrel miss. Fall. Never. They're pretty damn amazing. Philomena writes, I thought Catholics were the only ones consumed by constant guilt. Jeez. Are you talking about us? Oh, no, or the Japanese. Yeah, yeah. it has to be the Japanese. Because I was thinking, because we are too, but I mean, I be, yeah. Well, Philomena, I'm going to assume you're an Italian Catholic, and you are the, you head the Catholic guilt, don't they? I mean, Italian Catholics are more guilty than German Catholics. Oh, yeah, a totally different breed. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's totally different. Well, I that explains yeah, I that that when when my our uncle Sam made me promise never to do what you did, dear sister, when, which is marry an Irish Catholic, which was marry a, a, a an Irish Catholic, and I promised Uncle Sam solemnly that I would never do such a thing. Let me and, just say this about Uncle Sam: screw him. Well, he did come up to me at my wedding to my Catholic yeah, husband and said that you promised me you wouldn't do that. And I said, I promised you I wouldn't marry an Irish Catholic. I did not. Oh, I yeah. married a German Catholic. There you go. Ha ha. <laughs> what a jerk. All right. God, oh May his name be of blessed memory. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, I, yeah, no, it's a bigot, a big, 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 big bigot. So I just have a few more. I, I was reading uh, the book review and, and there's a book called period end of sentence. And it's about menstruation. And, um, 
And now we know that the stigmas uh, around menstruation. Susan, do you remember when you were a kid? So we're in the 50s in the upper Midwest. What were the euphemisms? Um, I, I, um, the curse. Uh, I fell off the roof. Uh, on the, the rag. Uh, no, I don't think it was on the rag. Was it? I heard. I, well, I, 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 I think that was later. I'm saying when you were a little kid. Well. The curse. Um, how about Aunt Flo? Oh yeah. So these things immediately. Little girls are from the minute. They, you know, are, I called it eek. What is that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a little unsettling to say the least. And, um, but, you know, without it, humanity would not exist. That's right. So it is literally the blood of life. And this book goes into how it was perceived throughout. And it is just a horror show. It is. So is it Pliny the Elder? as opposed to Pliny. So it's first century Rome, okay? First century Rome. He's writing saying that menstrual blood brings on catastrophe. It sours wine. It kills crops. It rusts metal. It drives (laughs) dogs. It drives dogs mad and infects their bites with an incurable poison. So God forbid, yeah, but whatever. How does it then, do this? You mean if 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 if? Okay, I'm I'm trying to figure out how. Who the hell knows? Anyway, listen. What do you mean? How do you the dog? You never had a dog who embarrassed the hell out of you by, by sticking his nose in there? Yes. No, by walking. You have guests over. Back oh, walking in the day. out? No, I've never had that he happen. Walked. I had it happen to me. I have uh, never had that dog walk into the room in his mouth yes a used menstrual pad horror all right you have the most you you only these things only happen to you i just have to say you have the most embarrassing stories and they and i i (laughs) nothing in my life has ever come close to really? your least embarrassing that? story. <laughs> wow. Okay, so listen to this. So you think that, okay, so Pliny, Pliny the Elder's writing in, uh, you know, the year 140 or something. But listen to what the Lancet, the medical journal, peer-reviewed journal, wrote in the 1920s. The touch of menstruating women caused cut flowers to wilt. Oh, for heaven's sakes. How did that get, how did that make it into the Lancet? And as if that won't boggle you, in 1974, in the Lancet, it said, a permanent wave will not take in the hair of a menstruating woman. Well, that's a blessing. The <laughs> Lancet. Well, but I mean, 
What? What? What land? You what? Know, wasn't the, it the Lancet that gave us the uh, research uh, that later debunked on uh, autism and vaccine? It might have been. I think it, it was. I think it was. I think we need to look at uh, how well they peer review their stuff. It made some mighty. Be- well, thank you for this, Barbara. I can't um, do it now, but maybe I'll play it going out. She sent me a YouTube thing, which is the menopause rhapsody. It's the Bohemian Rhapsody, but a parody song. So we can we well, play we can this do whatever if, if you want to play it going out, play it going out. I'm thinking. Let's see how long it. Is. Well, yeah. If you, Zach, if you don't mind. Um, oh, oh, wait, wait. Stop. Shut up. Shut up. I don't want an ad. Um, Okay, skip it. Okay, let's see. It's, oh, Jesus, it's six minutes long. Um, probably not, but I could do a little of it. Or not. <laughs> Listen, Susan. Listen. <laughs> oh, no, they're not. Well, why don't you just start singing? You can't do this. This is no time to do this. Oh, no, this is a different thing. I found a different thing. Never mind. That's good stuff. That's not it, though. Okay. okay. Sorry. Everybody, I listen to up. Lynn Cullen surfing. <laughs> <laughs> not mowing. All right. All right. It was not a good end. I, you know, you know, the when I went to study theater at the Neighborhood Playhouse in New York, I do remember one of the things that the frightening teacher, Sanford Meisner, said to me. You can't make an exit if your life depended on it. There was something about me always leaving that wasn't right. And it's remained, I think it's tripped me up. So I always have this sort of bumbling ends to show. Because he's in my head. Well, here's here's how I'm going to end it. I am so excited that the next time maybe that we actually talk, I finally get to give you a hug for the first time. I don't time. know. She, you're going to give me a hug? I don't give a shit. I'm giving you a hug. Oh, okay. Okay. It's the first time since a year ago last February. I'm just telling you. Okay. Are you kidding? No, I haven't seen you since California of a year ago last. We haven't been here at the same time. Oh, you're right. I was thinking I saw you and know you got out no, of the house. No, we have not I... seen each other. Oh. This is oh. the longest in my whole, whole, whole life yeah, by that far, I've never by seen you. Or touched me. Or touched you. I'll hug I'll give you a big hug. Okay, I'm going to make myself cry. Bye, everybody. Bye. <laughs> bye, Sue. See you soon. See Safe travels. Bye. Yeah, bye. Bye. Jeez, remember when people said safe travels, they meant, I hope your plane doesn't crash. Hope your car doesn't crash. And now what she's saying is, I hope you don't contract COVID-19 and then give it to me when you hug me. All right. That's it. I'm exiting. And fuck you, Sanford Meisner.
Bye. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Thursday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers. <laughs>